Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 19, verses 20 to 40. Hear now the word of God. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, say the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Amen. Hello, New Mercy, and any guests joining us. Hello, New Mercy, and any guests joining us today. My name is Lisa, and it's my privilege to be sharing with you this Palm Sunday. So this is our fourth virtual service we have online, and I just want to give a big shout out to to our team that's been working so hard to try and make our experience smoother. So thank you for um, being gracious and being patient. Um, I also want to say, as an educator and a work-from-home mom with four kids for the past 19 years, I finally feel more understood and appreciated. I laugh at all the memes coming out about how we should pay our t- teachers a million dollars a week as parents try to teach their kids at home. And the memes about no one will ever ask a, a stay-home mom what they do all day ever again um, because they finally can see how crazy it is at home. In fact, New Mercy, we made a decision a couple years back to change our mom group name from stay-at-home moms to work-from-home moms group because choosing to stay home is still choosing to work but just in a different sphere and now everyone can understand what that means a little bit more. But one thing I do want to share that I've learned over the years and it might be obvious but it's that we are the adults We have power to set atmospheres in our homes. And in fact, that's our job. We have to be intentional and we have to fight for the atmospheres we want. It's not automatic. We're all investing in something, whether it's good or bad. God is giving us a really precious commodity right now. He's giving us time. Whether you're single or you're married or you have kids, invest your time in things that matter. Because after this pandemic is over, and it will be over, um, how do you want to remember it? 
how do you want your kids to remember it? So let's pray before we look at the passage today. Lord, we just invite your presence into our homes, into this worship space, Lord God, that we would create an atmosphere of worship, that we would create atmospheres of peace and atmospheres of victory, Lord God. We claim your presence in all that we do, and we pray that your spirit would open our spiritual eyes and ears today to hear your message. We thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So all four Gospels, they have the Palm Sunday account. In fact, the Lent devotional that we've been uh, reading as a church, if you, if you did it this morning um, already, it shows all four different viewpoints. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Today, I chose to focus on the Luke account as a tribute to all the healthcare workers out there. Thank you for your service, because don't forget, Luke was a physician too. But today, I want to talk about Jesus as king, and what does that mean? As many of you know, Palm Sunday, um, as Jin read the passage today, um, it, the name comes about Because when Jesus came riding on a donkey, people were celebrating and laying down palm leaves for Jesus to ride over. In the ancient world, people would often welcome home a king or hero by laying down branches for him to walk on. It's similar to a red carpet we have today. But you see, in our modern view of kings, it's so skewed Because in our minds, we just think of either a power-hungry tyrant, a dictator like someone from Game of Thrones, or a figurehead that's just there for publicity, kind of like um, Queen Queen Elizabeth II from England today. But Jesus wasn't that kind of king. We actually live in a world where the king of kings has come, but many people are unaware N.T. Wright, he writes in his book, Simply Jesus, this quote. He says, Jesus was not the king they expected. He wasn't like the monarchs of old who sat on their jeweled and ivory thrones dispensing their justice and wisdom, nor was he the great warrior king some had wanted. He didn't raise an army and ride into battle at its head. He was riding on a donkey, and he was weeping, weeping for the dream that had to die, weeping for the sword that would pierce his supporters to the soul, weeping for the kingdom that was coming, that wasn't coming as well as for the kingdom that was. He was the king all right, but he had to redefine kingship itself around his own work, his own mission, and his own fate. People were singing Hosanna to Jesus. They welcomed him as a rising military leader. But when Jesus, what, but when they were asked who Jesus was, they got it wrong. If you look at the passage, they say they they say he was simply a prophet from Nazareth. 
They were literally eating, walking, drinking, talking to the Son of God, and they didn't know it. He came humbly on a donkey when the Israelites wanted to come, when the Israelites wanted him to come with a war party. But Jesus wasn't that kind of king. He wasn't born in a castle. He was born in a manger. He didn't have an entourage or an army. He had 12 misfit, uneducated disciples. He didn't have a jeweled crown. Instead, he had a crown of thorns. And he wasn't catered to or revered. He was whipped and nailed to the cross. Jesus fulfilled every prophecy and crushed the head of the enemy. In fact, the Bible is clear that Jesus' love and obedience is what led him to make the ultimate sacrifice to die on the cross for our sins. So in the end, he can ditch the donkey and come in triumph. Revelation 19.11 says, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and him who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and he wages war. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. That means, that implies, there's actually another kingdom that we can seek. Because it says, seek first his kingdom. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, the authority that God gave human beings was given over to the kingdom of darkness, to the enemy. But when Jesus fulfilled every prophecy and died on the cross for our sins, he won back that authority. The Bible says because Jesus was willing to go low in obedience to the Father, God exalted him to the highest place. Jesus is not just a king, but Jesus is the king. The Bible calls him the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. That means everything is under his rule and reign. He is all-powerful and he has all authority. Then my question to you today is, Is Jesus your king? Is Jesus my king? What would our lives look like if we stopped treating Jesus like just a role model and started serving him as our sovereign king? If we denied ourselves, took up the cross, and started making Jesus our highest priority? You see, if Jesus is my king, then I must be a subject over whom he rules. I must submit all my plans, all my agenda to him. Everything I do must be in service to him. And as a subject, Jesus' purpose becomes my purpose. And his purpose is to make disciples of all nations. His purpose is to bring glory to the Father. And so the atmospheres in my home need to be one of discipleship and worship. 
So are we discipling our children? Are we praying for our spouses, our parents, our siblings, our, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers? Looking at the passage, at first, the crowd that was shouting Hosanna and welcoming him with palm leaves seemed to have the right response. But in one short week, it all falls apart. And shouts of Hosanna, blesses the king who comes in the name of the Lord, changes to crucify him, crucify him. Why? You see, they were looking to themselves and their own situations. They were tired of being ruled by Romans, and they wanted Jesus to save them from their situation. Some were sick, and they wanted to be healed. Some were hungry, and they heard of the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. So those people came to sing Hosanna. Think of the last prayer you prayed, or the last thought you had of Jesus. What was it about? Did it have to do more with what you wanted help from, or a situation that you wanted to change to make it easier for you? Many times we get so caught up in looking at our circumstances that we forget to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Because if we did fix our eyes on Jesus, the amazing thing is that Jesus did address the needs of the people. He didn't ignore them or consider it unimportant. He allowed sinners, the outcasts, the children to approach him. He healed and fed and forgave sins but he never wavered from his end goal. In the book by Rick Warren, The Purpose Driven Life, it actually sold millions and millions of copies because people wanted to know their purpose. But many people were shocked when they opened the book and they read the unexpected first sentence. Rick Warren writes, it's not about you. Though Jesus is intently interested in you and loves you more than you can be than more than can be described, he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he is worthy of our worship. We have been created to worship him, not the other way around. You see, we are to live in service to the king, and we need to fight to advance his kingdom. But the most beautiful thing about being a subject to the King of Kings is that Jesus invites us to, be, to move into a more intimate relationship than just his servant. He wants us to become family. He wants us to become friends. He gives us full access to all his power and resources in the heavenly realms. He wants us to partner with the Holy Spirit, so we can pray audacious prayers like on earth as it is in heaven. We're not mere foot soldiers for the kingdom. In fact, that's what angels are. The Bible describes them as messengers and part of the heavenly army that's dispatched to fight the enemy. But we're actually called co-heirs with Christ. We are to represent Jesus and his kingdom to others. So check your heart. 
because that's because from the passage today that's what the Pharisees couldn't understand they didn't want to submit to Jesus as their king in verses 38 through 40 in the it's amazing to realize that everybody obeys these ordinances even unsafe people know that if they ignore or disobey God's creation ordinances that it can literally be dangerous the most obvious one of God's creation ordinance that every person obeys is his law of gravity for example if someone decides they don't have to obey this ordinance and decides to walk off a 10-story building they will die my kids and every other student in the world that were taught physics were taught various laws such as E equals MC squared. My kids and every, every student across the world, no matter what religion they follow, they accept these laws and are willing to follow them without question. And that's how the physical world works. We rarely doubt or question it. But the second book that God wrote is the Bible. In this book, we find God's spiritual ordinances. Since God wrote these, bo both these books, we must understand that both his creation ordinance and spiritual ordinance are for our benefit. We should also accept the truth that if we ignore or break the spiritual ordinances, just like the physical ordinances, it could bring dangerous consequences. And don't we see evidence of that today? The Bible says forgive and love your neighbor as you love yourself. But we see awful examples of people breaking the law. Stories of racism against Asians because of COVID. Random people being attacked because they're Asians. People hoarding resources and not caring enough about by not quarantining or social distancing because they think, I don't feel sick, when really they could be asymptomatic and infecting others around them. But then we see beautiful examples of what it means when we follow God's spiritual ordinances. What it means, for example, to love our neighbor. Those who are showing radical generosity by donating their time and resources to those in need. People who are clapping out their healthcare workers or those on the front lines like policemen and bus drivers and grocery store clerks. Those reaching out through Zoom or personal phone calls or helping with grocery runs. It's amazing to see the contrast of people's capacity for evil or hate but also their capacity for good. But that is all part of being in God's kingdom. If we truly believe that Jesus is the King of Kings, then I am a subject to that kingdom, and therefore I must follow all the physical, spiritual laws of that kingdom. I need to read the Bible and I need to pray in order to discover and understand those laws and understand my king better. 
This week for Passion Week, as Pastor Onje mentioned, we're going to have a nine o'clock Bible reading and and prayer meeting Monday through Friday. I hope you'll join us so that we can grow in our kingdom mindset together. Also, the prayer ministry, we've been praying for your prayer requests, but we also now want to offer individual prayers for those who would like to make an appointment. On the New Mercy app, under announcements, there's a new banner that says Virtual Prayer Ministry. On that, there are two tabs, one for Wednesday times and one for Sunday times. You can sign up for 15-minute time slots after Sunday service or after Wednesday night prayer. If those times don't work for you, please sign up and make a notation and we can work out a better time to contact you and pray with you. So remember, at the beginning of my sermon, I said, we're all investing in something, whether it's good or bad. This is the time to invest in prayer. This is the time to realign ourselves with God's kingdom plan because he is not a God who's floundering right now or running around being anxious. God is a God who's in control and he knows what he's doing. So let's spend a moment responding to the sermon by asking the Lord to take his rightful place in our hearts and in our minds. Jesus, you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We worship you. Pastor David, We'll lead us in the last song, and then at the end, we'll pray together.